What's barking fit dogs and welcome to another episode of the Fit Dog Culture Podcast. Right now I am walking around Bear Creek Dog Park and I figured this is the perfect time to have a conversation about dog training. So <laughs> lucky for me, I could just call Amy and we can totally geek out about these topics. What's barking, Amy? Hey, Ashley, how are you? I am awesome. How's your week been going? Oh, crazy, but good. <laughs> how about you? Pretty awesome. I would probably say the same yeah. thing. Crazy, but good. <laughs> so right now, I'm walking around Bear Creek Dog Park, and I figured I'd call you up so that we can talk about dog training. Well, I'm always down to talk about dog training. I know. Let's totally geek out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I was thinking about talking about dogs jumping on other people, waiting for their food, um, entering and exiting doorways, and just door manners all together. Okay. Anything. Your your basic manners and everything. The stuff you should know around the house, right? Right. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, maybe keep talking about furniture boundaries and maybe just space, spatial boundaries or teaching go on. Ooh. I'll find something else to do. Okay, those are some nice additions. Let's just hop on, on <laughs> to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so I think when it comes to teaching door manners, like the owner has to be an important part of that as well. So like some dogs, they hear a knock on the door and they want to charge the door. And I've literally seen people body slam their dogs at the door. (laughs) So (laughs) what should they do? Um, Well, there's lots of different kind of techniques or tools or commands you can use like it kind of depends on what works for you right right um if your dog knows a good stay teaching them to stay either in their on their mat or in a different part of the room until you've got the door open until your guests inside or until your dog is like calm is it you know is a good place to start what do you think what do you usually do i mean i don't think that literally sitting on top of your dog is a way to initiate calm <laughs> so i would kind of yeah. go with you there and say commands like stay um i think it would also be really helpful to just let anyone coming into your house know that you have a dog and that there are certain things that you're working on. So, you know, like if you have one to two rules for your guests, like for example, uh, Vader, we don't allow him to jump on people. And if he's whining, we ask that people not pet him. He is obsessed with people. So if you stop rubbing him, he will whine. And if you're not paying full attention to him, he will want to jump on you if you allow it. So I think yeah. just that communication with whoever's coming in my home, hey, if you see Vader even look like he's about to jump, say off. Uh-uh. Okay, yeah. Um, I think that's a great way to put it, too, by telling people, we're working on some training or we're working on our obedience. So if you could, you know, because sometimes it's 
um, a little awkward almost to ask people to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when you mention that you're in training right now and, you know, they're helping you out, then I think people are a little more more pleased to help with that. Because if you're just like, hey, don't let them, don't let them jump on you. Some people are like, uh, I don't know how to do that, you know, or whatever. Right. But if you kind of give them, you know, a heads up before they come in, then they know what to mm-hmm. expect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's like a good that. start. So other door manners, I think, is you can kind of get creative about how you want your dog to approach guests. So, like, mm-hmm. I've seen people go, like, their dogs go to bed or they go to their crate when someone knocks on yeah. the door. Or maybe mm-hmm. um, a more playful dog will go get a toy. Um, and yeah. for like Vader, you know, again, he's so excited. That's just a huge opportunity for me to work on sit and wait. Yes, it is a good opportunity. I like that. Um, and then the more people you have over, the more you can practice. So sometimes it's fun to just have someone over for that exact purpose, practicing your commands. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what about entering and exiting the door? So this is a different scenario um, with a dog who just the moment you open a door wants to bolt out the door ahead of you. What's your approach to um, that? Well, I like to teach the command wait, which it's a little different than stay because stay means stay exactly where I put you. And then wait is just no forward motion. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically teach that just that doorways. Usually it can work for other things, but um, I usually put a dog in a sit by the door and then start to go for the handle. As soon as they pop up out of the sit, you know, you correct them and put them back in the sit you start to open the door. If they're, if they get up, try to barge through. You know, the door closes. Your timing has to be good. Obviously, you're not trying to to smash your dog in the door <laughs> as you close it. And sometimes you need a leash for this one too, just in case. But um, so teaching the dog that if he's breaking that sit, then the door's closing. You know, you're not exactly the one enforcing it as much as the door is closing, the yeah. opportunity is closing and being taken away until they're waiting. You know, you want to work up to it where you can leave, just open the door wide open and they're still sitting there. And I always like to wait for the eye contact Ooh, and yes. then I use my release word, you know, so they're not pushing you through the doorway and you're not tripping. And they're also basically asking permission to go out the door. Yeah. That's you can you can start further back from the door for some dogs that's easier, you know, um, and and dogs that know a stay, a nice stay. You can start with a long stay and have the door open and desensitizing them to doors opening and closing, you know, because that is, you know, such an opportunity to just jump right through it because that's what they're used to. Yeah. But what about you? Um, same. I was going to kind of pose another question to you, though. How often do you use hand signals when also indicating weight? Because I typically, like, I may tell a dog to sit and wait. And then I I know this is hard for the listeners there because a video would do you so much service. But having my hand out like a stop, you know, 
is how I kind of mm-hmm. signal mm-hmm. to the dog that I want them to stay there as I'm opening a door. Yeah, it's definitely a good one. I use that for stay for sure. Um, also, just a little bit of a body lean towards them. And I think partly that's why the hand signal for stay helps us almost because then we use a little bit more of a posturing that that the dogs can read very well that tells them to stay there. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So kind of for clarity there, you're blocking that doorway with your body. Yeah. And just leaning, just ever so slightly leaning towards the dog, you know, from your top half kind of a thing, not over the top of them or anything like that. Just a a very subtle lean that in dog body language is very clear message. Even, even dogs who don't know any obedience. Right. So yeah, so a I little bit of more. body language, hand signals, for sure. Yeah, and I would just add to that that each dog is, of course, different. So whatever your dog's strengths are, I I kind of made a list of things here. But like, if you have a dog who loves to play ball or frisbee, asking them to grab a toy could be a fun exercise for them when someone knocks on the door. Um, right. If yeah. you have a dog that's fearful or more protective, talking about Leia here. When someone comes to your home, you can ask them to go to bed, you know, to kind of trigger that calm state. Yeah, for sure. Or even putting them in a, like um, a more of a down that's on their side can help them relax too. Mm. Almost like getting into a calming yoga pose for us. You know, it's like not forced relax, but you know what I mean? When you put yourself in a more relaxed position, it helps you, your brain to relax a little bit too. (laughs) Yeah. And I would, you know, also say that something that I learned recently was that if you see your dog yawning, that's an indicator that they're trying to calm down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or that they're stressed. It could be one or the other. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. There's always a double edge to something. (laughs) Yeah, they're stressed, but also trying to calm down. (laughs) So you and I were talking about this the other day, but I am working with some dogs now that just recently went to a trainer. And instead of sit, stay, they use sit with an implied stay. Can you kind of explain the difference between those two? Yeah, so when you just teach a sit... For me, it's more of like an introduction to sit, just teaching them getting into the position of sit from a stand. And a lot of people stop there. They teach their dog to sit. The dog gets the treat, and then the dog pops up. There's no release. The dog thinks, you know, almost like a trick. Mm-hmm. Sit, pop up, right? But with an implied stay, the dog is taught that they, they sit, and then they wait there until they're released. And then you're only treating them or rewarding them when they're in the sit. You don't treat them once they're released because that's kind of a reward too, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, so the timing is definitely key there. Do you have a preference over like teaching your dog to sit, stay, or to just sit and wait for the command like break or okay or release? Yeah, um, I like to teach uh, an implied stay um, along with sit, and it, and you build it slowly, you know, from a few seconds to a couple minutes. And for me, though, when a dog is in a sit, 
that is also a stay. Uh, I don't mind if they put themselves in a down once they're there, mm-hmm. just getting comfortable as long as they're not leaving the spot or standing up. <laughs> That's really interesting that you brought that up because um, going back to the clients that I'm working on right now, one of the dogs is a little bit more insecure. So if you tell okay. him to sit, he'll stay in the same spot, but he lays down. And the notes that I got back from the trainer while I'm pet sitting him is to pull him up and force him to sit. But, you know, of course, if he was my dog, I'm completely fine with him laying down as long as he stays put. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think <laughs> there could be a couple of reasons, I guess. If if your dog is in obedience, right, you would want an um com- competitions and stuff you'd want them to hold the same position or showing that kind of a thing um or people are just very picky and want their dogs to be perfect and beautiful and I mean that might have its place but for me and your typical pet owner (laughs) and all-around dog person most people are totally fine with their dog getting comfortable it's more about the the position and just staying there right So that kind of segues us into another portion that I'm super excited to have with you because you are an amazing dog trainer. And I know that you're way too modest to say that about yourself, but I just love how positive you are when you work with dogs and you really pay attention to their body language. And I just, I think you're awesome. (laughs) But on the other hand, I have never used a dog trainer. Um, and right now, this this experience right now with my client using a dog trainer and me taking notes from them to work with their dogs mm-hmm. has been an interesting experience. So your opinion, professional opinion, please, should people go to a dog trainer when they're seeing behavior issues or spend hours working with their dogs? That would be me. Or is there some uh-huh. blend of the two? Yeah, um, I think there can definitely be a blend of both. It probably depends on the type of issues you're working on. If it's just a little bit of, you know, obedience stuff you want to work on or a dog just that's just high energy and just needs some training, there's nothing wrong with just working basic obedience on your own, especially if you have a little bit of a handle on it um, and you're highly motivated. I think part of the reason that using a trainer can be really helpful is because it's kind of like, say you wanted to learn how to sing and you went and got voice lessons, you're going to be practicing because you're paying money and because you have someone kind of keeping you accountable. So you're going to do it, hopefully. (laughs) Do it when you're not with your trainer, all the things that you're supposed to be doing. Um, And the trainer can definitely help you, help put you more at ease about the things you are doing. But if you're highly motivated and you don't need that accountability as much and you're mostly working on basic obedience, um, then there's nothing wrong with with doing things on your own. It just kind of depends on the issues that you're having, too. I love that. So to kind of recap, if you are kind of lost in which direction to go to properly train your dog and you want some accountability to make sure that you're doing it correctly and consistently, then that's a great moment to identify a dog trainer that can help, right? 
Definitely. Yes. Okay. And if you are, I guess, just action driven, you've looked at all the YouTube videos and you feel confident in how to work with your dog, then work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Your dog will help you, you know, learn a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what works for them and what doesn't and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's so many, so many resources out there to get you going. So definitely. Okay. Well, cool. What is your biggest frustration (laughs) with working with clients? And before I put you on the spot, I just want to say that inevitably with dog walking, I end up training dogs and Mm -hmm. I'm working with certain behaviors. I communicate what I'm working on with the clients. And then I see that the ball has dropped somewhere because the next time I see the dog, the behavior has just amplified. Is that something that you see? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess I would agree the seeing progress and seeing the dog start doing the work and getting what you're training, the wheels are turning, um, and, and that's so motivating. And then to not have them, the owner follow through is probably one of the biggest frustrations um, for sure. So, yeah, I agree there. What do you think about modifications to your training? So let's say you've worked with a client. You've told them to work on heel. Let's use this as an example. You've said, have the dog walk next to you at all times, whether you're walking them, running with them, work on heel. Mm -hmm. But the owner decides to modify this training to allow them to sometimes walk ahead. Does that cause a lot of issues? Uh, Yeah, I think it just can cause so much confusion for the dog to know what is expected of them, when they're allowed to break the rules. Um, Consistency is that big dirty word that's so hard to keep up with, but is so important in all areas of life, you know. You could, if you really wanted to do that, I would suggest to the owner, have a completely different command, you know, for that, for the walking ahead of me. As long as they're not pulling on the leash. But I definitely teach a different command for just walking and then for healing. Okay. But that makes sense. But yeah, is that something you're working on? Uh, ish. I'm working with a client. Okay. I'm like, uh, I think the dog trainer said heal next to your knee. And my uh-huh. client's like, well, sometimes I don't mind if he's ahead of me. So, you know, I, I never know how to cross those boundaries. And, you know, because I'm not a dog trainer and I imagine it would even yeah. be uncomfortable for you is like, how do you tell someone exactly what to do with their dog? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if there would be. I mean, it's hard to go back to that situation because they already said that to you. But in a moment like that, if you could say something like, if we could come up with a separate command to say, okay, now you're free for the dog to know that they are allowed to go in front now. Just, and you know, this is how you say it to the client, just so the dog isn't confused for when it's supposed to be healing and when it's allowed to go in front of you. Somehow, you know, that's that's always the, the trick is making the 
reasoning behind what you're saying clear to the owner and that it will benefit them in the long run because you want that clear to be that heel to be very clear to the dog. Otherwise you're gonna you will be frustrated with your dog when your dog's not healing because he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And this is why you're possum. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I'm kind of nervous about this part, but you also said that you wanted to talk about dogs in furniture. And yeah. <laughs> I'm super, super scared because like I told you before we start recording, Leia claims furniture. If she walks into uh-huh. the house, she jumps on the sofa, she's comfortable. If she's at home sure. for any period of time, she's more than likely in our bed. Okay. <laughs> What's going um, on? What uh, behavior am I messing up here? No, no, you're good. So there's a couple of things. For me, um, when a dog is really young, adolescent time, and you're working on so many things, and they're learning so much, and learning where they fit in this family, and what the rules are, I suggest not allowing them on, up on furniture until they're a little older, um, just until they learn some boundaries and self-control and all that kind of thing. But after that, I like, I think it's an opportunity to work on asking permission, house manners, kind of pack rules, if you will. So for me, I would prefer that the dog only goes on the couches by invitation oh, <laughs> just because it's an opportunity to work. So that, that would be my question to you. I'm okay if you want Leia to be allowed on the couch in the bed, but my question would be if you told her to get off, would she get off or would she, she ignore you or would she? Yeah. If she I tell down? her to get down, she'll get down. But okay. I guess that's kind of where some favoritism has come in because Vader definitely asks before he gets Uh, on the bed, before he gets on the couch. And with Leia, she jumps up there and I'm like, oh, my girl, you know. Uh (laughs) So I can totally see an opportunity there to work Uh on asking. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think part of it, it really does come down to, you know, you can tell where her attitude is at when you're allowing that. It's not because you're afraid of her. It's not because you don't want to rock the boat it's it's more of a kind of she's earned her spot yeah <laughs> I would say even though I don't know which one's older is she older uh she's younger Vader's she's turning younger. five okay. this year and Leia's three okay yeah okay but she's still she's still top dog right oh she's yeah she she works yeah. with me all day long and I, I think that's kind of part of it too because from 6 a.m. to like 5 in the evening, Leia is working with me. She's walking dogs with me. So when we yeah. get home, I'm done training. You know, yeah. I, I mean, the only thing there is she still has to wait for her food. But everything else, I'm like, I'm done working on here. I'm done working on, you know, everything that we do on our yeah. walks. Yeah, definitely. Well, she's, yeah, she's earned it. She's putting her full day's worth of work. And that's so awesome for, to see a dog that's able to work all day, you know? Yeah. That's what she wants to do. And then to get her rest and kind of get to put her feet up is kind of nice. Yeah. A nice little treat. (laughs) That's what I think. But we'll start working on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's up to you for sure, because it doesn't sound like it's an issue, but... 
I think it's a nice thing when they ask. <laughs> when would you say it is an issue? Um, if I see a dog that will not get off when you ask them to, or if they growl at you when you sit next to them, or if you tell them to get off, or if they're snapping and growling at the other dogs, because it is it is a position of authority to be in a higher uh, bed or whatever seat. So that, you know, the dog in the highest spot is kind of the top dog. So mm-hmm. if I, you know, they could potentially be snapping at the other dogs if they're in that spot, you know, if they come too close to them, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly where I've heard this, and I'm still kind of fact-checking everything that I hear in terms of alpha dog behavior, but um, I do remember hearing that, like, alphas sleep with alphas, so Mm -hmm. for your dog to sleep with you is kind of giving them an alpha signal. Okay. Have you heard this before? I I think so. Um, I try not to talk that's one of those subjects that I'm like I don't want to get into too much of the the alpha dog the wolf pack thing because we are very different when I say we I mean the dogs (laughs) (laughs) are very different than wolves at this point Um, but I know that there still are some rules that kind of carry over so that could very well be, and I bet you each dog is different in that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, if that makes any sense. For sure. And going back to just how different they are, there was another study. Um, it's a documentary on Netflix. I'll link it in the show notes because I can't think of it right now. But okay. um, they separated a wolf pup and a dog pup. And the wolf pup uh-huh. still preferred to be with other wolves and the dog Uh preferred to be with people so you know it's very clear that there's a lot of differences Mm -hmm. there definitely yeah which works out for us though (laughs) (laughs) I would much rather have a dog than a wolf pup (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a that's a whole other can of worms (laughs) getting into wolf dogs (laughs) (laughs) All right, so two more topics that we haven't touched on yet, and let's go on over to waiting for food. How okay. crucial is it to wait for food? Um, I'm sorry, what did you say? How, what is it? <laughs> just how important is it for dogs to oh, okay. wait for their food? So just some background there. Um, some people f- free feed. Some people choose to portion it out and make them sit and wait before they eat their portions. Does it matter? I think as with all these other things we talked about, it's just a great opportunity to um, reinforce the leadership role and that you have the power over when they get to eat. And that that's just a great opportunity to work on some impulse control and connection and focus, whatever you want to, but just a good training opportunity. So um, I, I have heard even as much as you probably also that you should eat before your dog. And that, I mean... I'm not so strict on that rule, but I think that definitely helps too, you know, reinforce some leadership rules. But um, 
I think it's great. Uh, tell me how you do it. Um, so I do eat before Leia and Vader. And um, then once I make their food right now, they're eating Honest Kitchen. We just switched over and I really like this food. Um, but awesome. once I set up the portions and everything, I put them in their respective bowls. Leia prefers the left side. Vader prefers the right side. And they sit there and they wait for me to release them. I say, okay, and they eat. Okay, so they're sitting down before you even put the bowls on the ground, right? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And and how did you teach that? How did you start teaching them? You know, it really was just impulse. So Leia was having an issue at the door. She wanted to run out the okay. door before I did. So I started stepping out the door, kind of blocking angles. And mm -hmm. then I was looking for another opportunity to work on impulse. And that was her awesome. food. So I just had her sit, use the same kind of stop hand signal, and mm -hmm. I set her bowl down. And when I removed my, like when I let my hands drop, she still sat there. She knew that she was waiting for something else. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, okay is kind of something I say on the trails when I let them off leash and let them run around. So yeah. I just used that since they were already familiar and it's been wonderful. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I've seen you feed them and they do very good. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of proud of that because I do also see a lot of dogs who are free fed and they have a lot of other impulse issues. You know? Yeah, definitely. So I think, or even dictating when feeding time is, you know, yeah. barking at you. We've talked about this a little bit before, but you know, that kind of a thing. And yeah, the more opportunities you take to practice the impulse control. And it, <laughs> there's a little tangent here, but you know, oftentimes people have this one issue. They wish their dog would just not do this one thing. And <laughs> Those one things, whatever it is for that person, often tie back to these core, I guess, core behaviors that the dogs are learning. And there's just so much groundwork that you can cover with these tools in the house to establish rules and boundaries that can help. Yeah, put the, put the groundwork down for these other little things that can be you know, your check engine light that is going off and telling you what's going on underneath. But we're just like, why is my dog pulling on the leash? And there's so many other things that you sh you could be working on that would just overall help your dog want to please you more, be a partner and team member with you instead of, you know, crazy wild animal. <laughs> yeah, I could not agree more. Just, you know, I think it all goes back to the basics. If your dog mm -hmm. is pulling on you, working on here. You know, if you want to have yeah. an off-leash dog, working on come. I, I can just mm -hmm. see how they all connect together. And I really appreciate you also highlighting that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something we overlook sometimes when we're just so focused on one negative thing and not realizing how much other stuff we could be working on that would help. Just a small kind of segue from that is how much we influence that. So going back mm -hmm. earlier in the show, I told you that I've witnessed a guy body slam his dog in front of me when 
I was walking into their home because he didn't want mm-hmm. the dog to jump on me. Sure. And I thought, well, that's a different approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm guessing the dog wasn't on a leash. No. And and even as simple as putting the dog on a leash, if you're not going to, you're not quite ready to the point where the dog can stay at the on the other side of the room, but just putting a leash on and ho- maybe standing on the leash so that, on the end of the leash so he can't jump up, <laughs> you know, just simple sometimes management stuff that we don't always think about, but a leash, having a leash on your dog is just, is great when you're in that beginner training training spot because there's so many times you might need to just just grab them real quick while you're while you're working on stuff so if you're working with a dog on greeting people to come into the house you suggest maybe putting them on leash so that you can kind of control that jumping lunging whatever the dog does Mm -hmm. yeah definitely it just gives you more control for sure I can definitely tell you that body slamming your dog just causes more anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) A little more chaos. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty bizarre for me to see just, you know, of owner's behavior towards their dogs. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are no rules in this relationship with your dog, is there? (laughs) (laughs) That dog also had an issue with, like, nipping and biting and... A bunch of other things, so um, there's a whole backstory there, I'm sure. Right, (laughs) yeah. Lastly, we just need to cover jumping for all the jumpers out there. Yeah, (laughs) there are some persistent ones, that's for sure. Yeah, Um, it's kind of embarrassing, but I've been working with Vader since he was eight months old. Yeah, well, like I said, some... Some dogs just have their certain areas that are kind of your Achilles heel for their whole life sometimes. You know, yeah. you never know what it's gonna be. Um and what have you done with him to work on that? So he knows the command off. And he okay. does not jump on me, he does not jump on Johnny my husband. Mm -hmm. But if we're at the dog park, and I know that could be a whole another issue. Um, if he's, if he's running around the park and he sees somebody he knows and he's excited, his tail's wagging, they're excited to see him. Maybe they say his name in a high pitched tone. He's going to jump. So immediately when I see that behavior, I say off. And lately Mm -hmm. he's been kind of circling around their knee and not jumping. Okay. But if I don't catch it. And they are just filling him with excitement as well. He'll jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would. I almost wonder in that situation. Well, we could talk. Oh, 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 sorry. More about greetings in general, because a lot of dogs just don't know the appropriate response. But I'm sure you've tried asking him to sit when he's greeting someone or some other command that can kind of give him something to do instead of just having all that excitement and not knowing how to to channel it in the right direction. Yeah. I can do that in the house. I've done that in the house. You know, I think when Mm -hmm. you came over, 
Um, I had Vader and Leia sit and stay and they waited until you came in the house and then I released them. But when I released him, I can't remember if he jumped or not, but he had a bunch of excitement to the point where Mm -hmm. he could have jumped if he didn't. I can't remember. But um, I don't think. Okay, well, that's good. (laughs) But he will, you know, it's like he knows sit, he knows off. But if given Um, the opportunity, if you give him an inch, he's going to take that mile. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so with greetings, I think it's one of the harder things. What do you think? Because it's just a new situation, and they're excited and not quite sure of the appropriate response. So a lot of times we work on teaching just really short greetings. Go say hi. Mm-hmm. Call them back. Go say hi. Call them back before they kind of have that opportunity to jump. So that oh, can be that's really awesome. Helpful. Okay. Especially a dog that knows the off command, but they're just still so full of excitement like that, you know, Um, keeping it short. Also, you know, it gives them that time to, they're using that energy a little bit to walk back and forth between you. And then eventually you can probably calm enough that you could ask for a sit or even a down. Sometimes a down is more helpful when they're just that full of energy. That's awesome advice. And if I could just add anything to that, it would be no one else should give your dog a treat. So like in a dog park, if it's a neighbor that loves them, I'm really speaking about all of Vader's human (laughs) friends. But, you know, we have a neighbor that doesn't have a dog, but buys treats for Leia and Vader. And I've had to tell him, we love you being their grand dog granddad whatever (laughs) but you can no longer give them treats because they lose their mind Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I think that's good unless unless you ask can I give your dog a treat kind of a thing I think that's a respectful thing to do yeah for sure especially for a dog that's so (laughs) highly food motivated (laughs) right (laughs) which Vader definitely is well thank you so much Amy I hope that we talked about something that helps someone yeah yeah just maybe even just a little nugget in there that can help you with your relationship with your pup at home would be awesome for us that would be awesome and thank you for listening to this episode this was our first time recording separately um so I don't know how the sound quality is going to come out but Thanks for listening. (laughs) Yeah, let us know, I guess, on your end how it sounds. And we'll see you over at Instagram, Fit Dogs. You can find us at Fit Dog Culture. Awesome. What's barking, Fit Dogs? And welcome to another episode of the Fit Dog Culture podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Ashley. And today we are so excited because we have a special guest, Edith Coffey, mm-hmm. uh, my longtime friend and world famous groomer. Well, practically world famous. Um, and we talk about adopt versus shop and the whole messy, gooey details of that. So come on in for the conversation. <laughs>